parents, we need to be more involved in the educational process of our children. Welcome to Chalk Talk with your host, Eric Hamilton. The three pillars of Eric's approach to parent engagement are academics, accountability, and advocacy, which empower parents to better support success at the child, school, and system level. And now, here is Eric Hamilton. Hello listeners around the world, this is Eric Hamilton and I am going to have another outstanding show for you tonight. Last week we had a chance to do something different. Um, For me personally, I had a chance to get into uh, what I would call political conversation. Um, Many who may may not know, uh, but my background is actually in uh, political science. And my passion is in education. And last week's show, we talked a lot about the Trump administration and the direction of charter schools. This week, we will be talking about Common Core. Common Core, for those parents who may not know, um, Common Core was an educational reform effort that was adopted in 2008. And since 2008, there has been a lot of research, a lot of talk, a lot of controversy around this particular topic. For myself, it's a very, very passionate, uh, very passionate issue because since I've been teaching, I've actually seen some of the um, the results of Common Core. So tonight, uh, I'm going to get back into this conversation around Common Core. Uh, I want to educate parents on A, the history, B, the practical use, and some of the issues that you may or may not be aware of when we talk about Common Core. Tonight's conversation will not be a conversation around the politics, meaning uh, I am not supporting uh, Democratic candidates nor Republican candidates. This is not a political philosophy This conversation is the intersection between politics and education. So it's a little bit different in terms of what the expectations will be for uh, tonight's show. For new listeners, um, this show is designed specifically around parent engagement. Uh, It is my belief that parents are informed best. They are uh, operating at their best when they have a sense of academics when they have a sense of accountability on how to hold school systems accountable, as well as learning how to be an advocate. And I will say after doing a lot of research for this particular show, I can really see that there are a lot of parents who are just as passionate about not only their child's education, but their community's education. And many parents have done an outstanding job of organizing, educating other parents, and getting involved in the democratic process in our country. So to those parents, I want to say congratulations and thank you. Uh, You actually are proving uh, my belief in terms of what parents should be doing in the field of education. So we're going to discuss Common Core. Now, before I discuss, I want to talk about the format of this show. Tonight, we will talk about the history And I'm going to give you some names. I'm going to give you a lot of different uh, links that you can go on to to verify. 
as I tell my students, believe believe in the ability to communicate and exchange ideas. This is what this show is designed to do. This show is designed to reach individuals who are struggling to figure out. I can tell you after doing research that there are families that are still struggling with Common Core. And if you're struggling with Common Core, I also have some suggestions as to what you can do to try to help your child because there's a lot of great research that's actually starting to come out around what is the net effect of Common Core. So it's important that you realize, parents, that despite some of the challenges that we're having, you still have a role in your child's education. And I applaud you to make sure that you are staying on top of what you need to do in order to best support your child. Let's get into the initiative. Common Core is an educational initiative in the United States that details what K through 12 students should know in English language arts, as well as mathematics. So essentially, what are educational standards? Educational standards are the guiding principles or the guiding uh, instructions of what students should learn at a particular grade level. As a teacher, my job is to learn about those educational standards, post those standards, communicate those standards to both parents and students, as well as to adopt my lesson plans and what I do around those educational standards. Before Common Core was here, every state had their own educational standard. Being from the state of Georgia is where I started. The state of Georgia went through several rounds of what we would call standards adoption, which means the state of Georgia Department of Education, as well as most states, hire individuals who are probably Ph.D. people who are specialists in terms of writing curriculum. So before Common Core was around, every state in the United States had their own educational standard. They had a standard that was K through 12. What Common Core has been sold uh, to parents is that it will uniform, it will keep the educational standards in the great state of Oregon. Those are the same standards that will be taught in South Carolina. Because some people believe that some states do a better job at writing educational standards than others. And being an individual who had to do research around educational standards in graduate school, uh, part of my internship at a fabulous school in Washington, D.C., called the School Without Walls, which I would highly, highly recommend anyone to pursue if you have an opportunity, if you're in the D.C. area, uh, I highly recommend that school. Part of my responsibilities as an intern in educational leadership was to do exactly that, was to actually compare the District of Columbia's educational standards with other states. And what I quickly realized is that there is some truth around the ability for some states to do a better job in the construction and writing of others. It's very important to realize that. So what's interesting is, is that 
before Common Core, states had their own individual um, educational standards. And Common Core was created by two organizations. Those organizations are the National Governors Association, which is known as the NGA, and the Council of Chief States School Officers. Now, I want to make sure you keep those in mind to realize that those are two organizations that has the ability back during 2008, 2009, to come together, both Democrats and Republicans, to say publicly Governors have decided to get together. If you go onto their website, you will see that it is a state-led initiative. That's how they're, that's how they're saying it. It's a state-led initiative. Governors got together, created these educational standards. Upon creating these educational standards, they decided to implement them across the country. That is how many of us have gotten to the educational standards called Common Core. What was sold around Common Core is that this was a curriculum that was going to do two things. It was preparing young people for the field of college as well as career readiness. When you look at career readiness, you will quickly see that there are different aspects on how to get individuals prepared for college. And what many people believe is that this was a state-led initiative. You will hear me keep saying it. It was a state-led initiative. The reality is it's something completely different. There were a couple of individuals who were also a part of this group, uh, a gentleman by the name of David Coleman, uh, who was one of the leading proponents of this particular um, initiative. Mr. Coleman has been the president of the college board. He has some ability to influence the thinking around these state-led initiatives. What's interesting about Common Core is the fact immediately when I, as a school teacher, as well as in uh, my graduate studies, I immediately got a sense that, hmm, this is a completely different initiative. It was different because it was coming from the top down. Remember that phrase, top down. Upon the adoption, approximately 42 of the 50 states and the District of Columbia immediately adopted this. Now, when I hear the term state-led, I'm thinking, and you may be thinking the same thing, does state-led mean that each individual state government actually approved the Common Core? Does it mean that the Department of Education in each one of these states actually, uh, actually approved this? Did legislatures vote in order to approve this? Well, I can answer that question for you right now. The answer was no. There was no public referendum, no public debate. It was simply adopted and it became the educational philosophy across the United States, which, if you think about it, has been one of the most greatest political moves ever done in modern U.S. history to have something to be done 
in the name of public education, and yet no public figures actually participated. Think about that. No public official, no state legislature, no one on the congressional level, no public votes at all. It was actually adopted by those individuals, those groups that I mentioned earlier, and that would be the National Governor's Board, as well as Chief of State, Chief of Schools Officers. When this happened, parents began to immediately become outraged because they said that if we are truly in a democracy, where is the representation in this initiative? So upon this, it immediately became what we refer to as a political football. Many people immediately began to respond, not in a positive, positive manner. After the adoption process, for parents to know, what Common Core attempted to do was to re-educate, change how kindergarten students would learn how to use basic mathematical skills. It would change some of the educational practices that I know many of individuals are accustomed to doing and using. Principles like addition, subtraction, long division. Suddenly those things changed. Second, it introduced in many of the literature the literature that you see in education, it changed it from being a classical text to what is called an informational text. I'll talk a little bit more about the differences between the two. And as a result of this switch in education, many, many parents became highly, highly outraged at how, A, this could be done, two, where was the voice that parents had on this particular matter as a taxpayer? Where was the voice for individuals who have an input on this particular process? What's interesting is, is that people are convenient to use this word democracy and they are uh, love to say that we live in a democracy in the United States where you have representation. But I challenge you to go back Look at your history on Common Core. Look at the lack of transparency. Look at the lack of representation, again, at the state level as well as at the congressional level. Because of this, this has created a very, very highly contested issue in American politics. What's interesting is, before we take our first break, after this adoption uh, occurred in 2009-2010, it became the center of many parent groups. It became the center of a lot of individuals. And somewhere along the way, around 2014-2015, suddenly a lot of the controversy that we would regularly hear about it, it suddenly went away. It suddenly just disappeared. Suddenly, um, it didn't was not a huge issue in many of the local elections, uh, particularly the midterm elections. It was not a dominant theme in the presidential election, although President Donald Trump was against Common Core. Uh, his VP, 
Mr. Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, is from a state that actually was the first in the country to actually lose their common core status. So I think Mr. Trump chose Mr. Pence as a good person to have this issue. Uh, If you remember from the campaign in 2016, which was a very difficult one, he, uh, Trump was very anti-Common Core, although he has not taken much or any steps in the field of education. So to his supporters, many people are still unhappy with Common Core. When we come back from our break, I want to talk about some specific things that you can see when you go online to look up Common Core as well as what has happened with this movement amongst parents that will allow Common Core to to suddenly um, not become in the focal front. They did something very interesting. So I'm going to take my first break and when we come back, we'll talk more about what happened to Common Core. what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. it's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply coincidentally that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host dr faith brown she'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life laughing loudly loving deeply with dr faith can be heard every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern time 8 a.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at choctalkradio.xyz. That's eric at choctalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Chalk Talk. My name is Eric Hamilton, and tonight I am talking about what happened to Common Core. Um, Common Core, <clears throat> for those who are just joining, is an educational reform effort that was created in 2008 uh, by the National Governors uh, Board. 
And it was sold to the American public that it was time to move the curriculum. It was time to address the inequalities. Um, It was sold to the American public that if families who relocate from states who have strong curriculums like the great state of Minnesota, as well as Massachusetts, they have very, very strong curriculum, uh, very strong state standards. And if those individuals were to move to other states that maybe did not have the same level of uh, rigor in their standards, that somehow Common Core was going to address this particular issue. And what has happened is, is that it has created a lot of chaos. Uh, It becomes apparent to me that when this particular curriculum was introduced, it was literally thrown upon people. Uh, It was literally pushed into for adoption without consent of parents. And many parents, uh, particularly in the state of Utah, many parents in the state of New York were immediately on the front lines. They were immediate in terms of how they organized, how they really uh, attempted to bring what I would call high levels of accountability to Mr. Arnie Duncan, who was the former secretary of education um, at that time. Uh, they really challenged this notion around how could a federal government um, introduce a national standard. Now, if you know anything about our Constitution, you'll know that the Constitution strictly allows for education to be cited at a local level. Uh, You also know that many of the Republicans at that particular time also believe the same thing, that education should be left to the actual states in order to decide. However, upon critical evaluation, critical evaluation, and this again is one of those topics that I'm extraordinarily passionate about uh, because it is the intersection of my two passions, which is education and politics. It appears that this particular um, initiative was a a top-down, meaning that it was created by politicians. Uh, It was not created by educators. Uh, Teachers had no input. There was no practice trials. There was no states that were introduced. No data was created. Uh, Absolutely no transparency around the adoption process. But yet it was done. And it was funded, funded by no one other than Mr. Bill Gates. He is a big proponent of Common Core. Um, So we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, his role. What's interesting is, and I want to get to this because I always want to bring it back to the parents, uh, because that's what the show is specifically designed for. When you read about the language, uh, English language art standards, stated goals of English, and I'm reading directly from their website, by the way, it says the key components of standards of English and language art, reading, writing, speaking, and listening, language, media, and technology, the essential components break down each of these points. However, When you actually look at some of the literature that has come out around how do individuals read, how do they figure out what to read, 
how do they know what to read? You will see that much of the inf- the texts have moved away from classical pieces. When I say the term classical pieces, I mean something like William Shakespeare, uh, something around uh, Richard Wright, something around a classical author, George Orwell, uh, 1984. Um, many of the classical literature Things that texts that many students will see who will eventually have to go off to college. Those are some of the texts that are no longer being utilized. Now they're reading what we call informational texts. Informational texts can be best described as instructional manuals, how to put things together, how to actually re- read a blueprint, how to um Read. There was a couple of them I was reading earlier about the evolution of the grocery bag, uh, how to install a light bulb, very informationally based. And if you are if you're careful uh, with with the review on this, you will see that much of the literature in the in the educational piece, particularly with the English language arts, are designed to get individuals to have functioning skills as opposed to higher end literacy skills. The other thing that was disturbing around the English component piece is much of the material that individuals would read all seem to have a political overtone. For instance, uh, there was a lot of literature promoting the idea of climate change, global warming. There was a lot of individual, a lot of uh, texts around uh, very politically charged materials. Much of the the language arts uh, component had um, different types of lifestyles in terms of homosexuality, in terms of uh, what what some would say were questionable material for particular students at particular times. So what happens is, is that when you look at the curriculum and you look at them as uh, you should, when you, when you introduce these, these types of materials, parents that are informed, that are, that are very active, they're going to become immediately charged. Those are the easy ones. The difficult ones are what is happening to the classics that's being taught? Um, some of those what I would call higher-end pieces of literature because I can see it uh, with the students that I have without reading, and I think I talked about it on uh, one of my technology shows, and I said that if students are reading more and more basic types of conversation pieces, when students are reading more text than they are literature, what will be that that barometer that will get them to read higher-end pieces of literature, not only to be able to read it, but to develop what I call inference skills, to be able to read or to come up with the meaning that is not being spoken. That's the issue. That's why so many people, with myself included, are not big fans of Common Core, because what is promised uh, by many politicians, and notice I keep saying politicians, not by educators, not by superintendents, by politicians who say that this curriculum is actually going to prepare students for college and college readiness programs. When in reality, 
especially on the language arts side, English language arts, you will see that many of the texts have not and do not match up to the level of sophistication nor complexity that many individuals, myself included, had the privilege of reading. That's the story on the language arts. Now, there are a list of authors uh, that they say uh, that are part of it. Uh, they, the language arts promotes speaking and listening. It promotes uh, being able to use multimedia devices, which are very important. But I challenge you to do your homework. I challenge you to go out. If your child is at a school that has Common Core, I challenge you to go to the librarian, ask to see a copy of the books, ask to see what are you reading. Now, some may find some of the material questionable. And if you do find it's questionable, please have a conversation. Have a conversation with your teacher. Uh, have a conversation with your school administrator. But I can tell you that it's not so much that they're going to be able to do. This is a curriculum that uh, many states have adopted. And if you're one of those, if you're living in a state um, that has this particular curriculum, uh, you've got to find a way to work your way around this. States that currently do not have Common Core, that would be South Carolina, which is no shocker, Indiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, as well as Minnesota. And let me let me finish on the language art piece and then I'll go to the to the math piece. Uh, those of us who are really into education and we study this stuff all the time, uh, either through graduate school or just the nature of what we do, you will quickly realize that I believe some of the, the best standards in the country, uh, the state of Virginia uh, had very good standards, the state of Minnesota, as well as Massachusetts. They were uh, very good standards, and their standards were actually harder, more challenging, more rigorous than Common Core. So there is a lot of um, text here that you as a parent should be aware of. And the message is getting out there. It's getting out there. The purpose of our show tonight is to give you a my perspective as well as to give you something that you need to think about on how to best help your child. On to the math part. The math part is the clearest, greatest example of the failure of this particular curriculum. I cannot tell you the number of times that I had um, in 2012, 2015, uh, I had my own tutoring business called Schoolwise Tutoring. And I had the pleasure of working with many students. I worked with a total of 26. And I can't tell you the number of individuals who would come to me looking for help with Common Core. And I can't tell you how overwhelmed students were. Students were really, really overwhelmed doing simple, simple mathematical problems. Someone came up with the brilliant idea to revamp how math is done. Math is no longer done in a way where students will solve a problem, show their work, and get an answer. And as a teacher, you have to find a way to grade the work, the effort, as well as to give uh, the appropriate answer. 
Now students are forced to have to undo how they've been taught, either from their parents or from previous teachers who weren't Common Core friendly. They have to show the work that they did just the Common Core way. If they do not show the work, the work is going to be marked wrong. There is an incredible video of a woman who takes her Common Core mathematical argument to a board, uh, a board of education. She does a great job of asking the board members to solve a problem. I think the problem was 18 goes into 90 how many times? One of the board members actually responded. She got the correct answer. She then told the board that if she, if you were in a common core classroom and if you had attempted to solve the problem the way she just solved the problem or the way you solved the problem, the problem would be marked incorrect. She then showed us how we were supposed to take 18 circles and divide 90 hash marks into these 18 circles in order to get the appropriate answer. And I sit and I wonder as both a parent and as well as a teacher, how, who in their right mind would come up with this kind of program? What is the agenda here? Who would come up with such a crazy way to do math? And here's the, here's the thing that you need to think about. When I hear politicians say that these standards are preparing individuals to be competitive, to compete against other countries. I immediately wonder what other countries in the world are doing this type of work. How, what other countries are actually performing these tasks in the manner in which they're doing? And there is great research, I mean unbelievable research that's now showing that other countries in the world are not using this particular format. They're not using it. They're still using it the way that most people around the world are using, which is amazing because the question is, why in America could you have a question? Two plus two should always be four, but under Common Core, two plus two could very well be five. As long as you can give an answer for it, as long as you can give an explanation for it. That has been what has been talked about in the mathematical side. So I really feel for parents that are struggling because as one of the noted um, uh, gentlemen who did not sign off on this particular initiative, he makes a very good point by saying that many of the skills, many of the problems that Common Core is creating, it's what we would call developmentally inappropriate, meaning that the skills that's required to do these types of operations, most children um, have not developed the frontal cortex to perform these types of tasks. And students literally break down trying to perform these tasks. Uh, there's much de data and literature around how students internalize this and they begin to blame themselves by saying that they are stupid, 
that they are, that something is wrong, when in reality, you have a very difficult situation happening here. You have teachers that are having to unlearn how they were taught how to do something. You have students that are learning how to learn a new system that frustrates them. You have parents who now cannot help their child with basic mathematical uh, functions. So you've got an unhappy child, an unhappy parent, an unhappy teacher. Where is the educational philosophy for this type of approach? How can students effectively compete with other students around the world when students are starting to develop poor, poor mathematical skills? And before I take my final break, if you have been a follower of Chalk Talk, you will know that there has been a lot of research. I've talked about it in my book, What Every Parent Needs to Know About Academics. Uh, there are different foundations around the United States that purport this idea that students, by the time they get to the third and fourth grade, if their rate reading levels, if their mathematical levels are not on par, they're going to have to spend four to five years to try to catch up as well as to keep up. There's a lot of research to support that. So, parents, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what's at stake and what can you do. When we come back, we're talking about next steps with Common Core. I'm going to reveal some more information to you about Common Core and about what's happening now and why we don't hear much about it. So please stay tuned for another round of talk on Chalk Talk. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. That's eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. We are back, and I am having a conversation with you about Common Core and what happened to Common Core. That's the title of this show, What Happened to Common Core. For those of us who have been keeping up with Common Core, it kind of disappeared around 2013, 2000, I'm sorry, 2014, 2015. Um, and that is because, and I want to, I want to thank um, and I think I did this earlier, but I want to I want to do it again. I want to thank the parents, the parent union groups in the great state of New York, as well as Utah. Um, my research indicates that those two states in particular, as well as Florida, um, did a great job of trying to provide what I would call advocacy. Those two states, parents organized they took their fight directly to the boards of education and they challenged them. They put their materials online. They used social media. They used as many tools as they could. However, the fight did not get to go on what I would call mainstream media. Uh, rarely, rarely do you see an educational story. Rarely will you see a story. Rarely will CNN have the courage or Fox, for that matter. Rarely will those two news companies dare to touch Common Core. Rarely will they do that. So to those parents, as well as to other industries who are out there trying to educate parents, my hat goes off to you. Uh, you are leading the example uh, of, of how things, uh, um, of, of what people do in towards, of, of how do we provide pushback. I want to read a couple of individuals and a couple of names. Um, in 2012, Mr. Tom Lovelace of the Brookings Institution called into question whether the standards have any real effect. He says, quotes, have done Common Core have done little to equalize academic achievement within states. The Cato Institute claimed that it is not least bit uh, paranoid to say that the federal government wants a national curriculum, a national curriculum. That's one of the things that, again, if you know the Constitution, you know that a national curriculum is something that America has never had before. It has always been left up to states. Um, this one time uh, governor who is now the U.N. ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley from the great state of South Carolina, uh, said that she could not relinquish control of education to the federal government, neither would she cede to the consensus of other states. Those are pretty, pretty tough words there. And I applaud her for also doing the exact same thing. Um, there are other institutions. According to the National Education Association, Common Core State Standards are supported by 76% of teacher members. Hmm, that's a very high number. Uh, Exxon Mobil said of Common Core, it sets a very high milestone and standards of educational achievement 
while at the same time providing those invested in the outcomes, local teachers and administrators with the flexibility they need to best achieve those results. Again, that's ExxonMobil. The Heritage Foundation argued in 2010 that Common Core focus on a national standards would do little to fix deep ingrained problems in center structures within the educational system. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And what's interesting about this particular debate, Common Core is effective depending upon who do you ask? Who do you think has the greatest insight? Would it be a politician or would it be a school teacher? Would it be a superintendent or would it be uh, someone who is or would it be a parent? Um, what I don't like about this particular initiative is that it totally removes the parent from the equation. It totally removes accountability. It totally um, forces teachers which, and many of them are always, you know, we're required to do professional development, but it forces them to learn a particular skill that is completely unnatural to their learning process. So there's nothing worse than a teacher not knowing the material comfortably and then trying to teach it to other individuals. There's nothing more um, uh, frustrating to, to, than to be in that position. So, why is it that in 2017 we have not heard about Common Core? Why is it not on the radar as it once was? Well, guess what the brilliant politicians have decided to do? What they've decided to do is to rename, rename these standards. So upon doing my research, I realized now the reason that we don't see Common Core standards as much is because now states are starting to call it. So Florida uh, was one, of, again, adopted just like all the other states. Now they have what's called Florida standards. And Florida standards have yet again been revamped, rechanged, done, you know, improved. But in reality, all that Florida standards are are basically common core standards. So the question becomes, what are we preparing our students to do? What are we preparing our young people to do? Are we preparing them to have high-end critical thinking, analytical skills, the ability to go after what we would call the independent truth? Are we supposed to um, educate our kids in some of the classical um, literature? Or are we preparing individuals for work? Are we preparing individuals for technical skill jobs? In the field of mathematics, how are individuals going to be able to, to compete with other countries when their mathematical skills are so low? And for particular those students who are struggling, I was not the best math student. I struggled with mathematical skills. Thank goodness I came along during a time before Common Core because I look at many fourth and fifth graders, uh, when th those individuals that I had a, the privilege of tutoring, and I wonder how. how. How do we learn this? What do we do for teachers that are struggling to teach this? 
what what do we do for the teaching industry for people who are completely fed up with how to do this? And many teachers are fed up because, again, it goes back to our constant theme on this show is that we have people who are not educators telling educators what they should and should not do. Two things. One, Common Core on the surface does a very good PR job of trying to mobilize communities that are disconnected. But I'm a strong believer that education should be left up to the local level. I'm a strong believer that there should not be a natural, a national educational curriculum. Because what goes on in the great state of Mississippi may not be what's going on in Wisconsin. And I believe that educators, particularly the Department of Education, they are the ones that have the ability to determine policy, not individuals in Congress. Congress does have a role, but who knows their community better? And this is a philosophical debate that is currently being waged in this country. What's interesting about the other thing about Common Core is the fact that when you take a look at a classroom setting, ask any classroom teacher and they will tell you this dynamic. And I will I will close my show on this, what I call teaching gym. Every classroom teacher is aware of this phenomenon, that classrooms across the country are divided into three sections. There's that top 20 percent. That's the 20 percent that regardless who's in the classroom regardless of what the content is, they are going to find a way to excel. They are your A students. They're your highly motivated students. Those are those students that want to do very well, and they will do whatever it takes in order to do well. Then there's that other population, that population that I was a part of, is that 60%. Most of American high school students, most of American students in general, find themselves in that 60 percentile. Those are the B to C to C minus students. Those are the students that are untapped. Those are the students that have academic deficiencies that for some reason never gets addressed. They didn't have a chance to get a tutor. They didn't have a a chance for someone to tell them uh, that they had the skills in order to compete with that other 20 percent. Most of American students are in that 20 percent in that 60 percent. Then there's that other group, the other 20 percent. Those are the students that maybe have severe learning disabilities, severe behavioral problems. Those are the students that are disconnected. Those are the students that potentially will drop out first. Every American classroom fits this dynamic. The 20 that are on top, the 60 in the middle, the 20 on the bottom. Well, if knowing that, guess what Common Core does? Common Core only focuses on that group that's in the middle. So if I'm a gifted and talented person, I will not be able to fly and go as far as I can. I will not be able to achieve the true height of my academic skills. Why? Because I can't move forward until everybody, hence that word, Common Core until everyone meets the same mark. So what happens is you are allowing individuals to catch up while dumbing down other individuals, while not pushing other individuals. 
What do individuals who have that talent, what do they do? They shut down. They become bored. They become hostile. They become angry. They become frustrated. Take a look at a lot of the students and you will hear them say they will question themselves. They will question their worth. And I had this happen not too long ago where I had a young lady to tell me very bright, very intelligent. She told me that she was stupid. And I told her that a stupid person would not have that ability to reflect and have the interpersonal skills that I heard from her. What she represents is a group of students that have been told and have been taught that because they haven't done well on this particular assessment, that there is something wrong, that they have internalized. This is the danger of Common Core. And I've seen approximately four educational reform efforts come through. And parents, at the end of the day, it is your job, your responsibility to provide that tender loving care, that support, that encouragement to keep your child going. Because if not, school systems have done exactly what they're doing today, which is discouraging students. They're discouraging creativity. So parents, regardless of who's in office, regardless of what the political rhetoric of today, regardless of how many PhDs get in front of you and tell you what you should be doing, you know your child best. You know how to help your child better than any PhD on this planet. So always listen to yourself and remember you have a voice in your child's education. Thank you for listening for my show tonight. Uh, Next week we are going to have another outstanding show around this same topic around curriculum and development. Uh, I've enjoyed speaking to you this evening and I hope that you have a productive day uh, and week. Signing off until next week. Thank you again for joining us for Chalk Talk. Please join Eric Hamilton again next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more of everything that parents should know about school.